in the book of Ruth, and we are continuing our thoughts on the women of the Bible. Excuse me for just a second. My glasses are, I can't even see out of them things. All right. Okay. That was kind of awkward, wasn't it? That's all right. We're all family. It's okay. <clears throat> we are studying the women of the Bible, and I want to get into talking about Ruth, but before we can talk about Ruth, I want to start out by talking about her mother-in-law, Naomi. And I want us to, I use these, I, I'm gonna, I use two verses in my lesson tonight that I use all the time, but they are so uh, influential on, on my life and my understanding of the scriptures, and I know it is for you, but Romans 15, 4 tells us that for whatever things were written before, they were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. When we look back into the Old Testament and we see these people's lives, we looked at Rahab a couple weeks ago and, you know, any of the characters in the Old Testament, what we see is real people doing real things and how they obey God is definitely in accordance with what dispensation they are under, whether it's the patriarchal age, Moses, I mean, uh, Abraham and Noah and Adam and Eve, or you move into the Mosaic dispensation with the law of Moses and David on into the new Christian age with the apostles and us. But any uh, dispensation or age that you are in, it still holds true. Faith without works is dead. Amen? If you hear what God says and you do it, then you'll be pleasing to him. And if you don't, then you're in trouble. And you've sinned, and you've done something to con contrary to God's word. So tonight I want to read just a little bit from chapter 1, and I want to uh, bring some thoughts out, and then the lesson will be yours. Let's look at Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilon. Here we go. I, me and Aaron worked on this, so let me just work this out. You know how I am with these names. Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and renamed, remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilon also died. So the women survived her two sons and her husband. And I'm going to keep reading. Then she arose with her daughters, with her daughters-in-law, 
that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. Naomi had a huge burden, didn't she? Think about the things that had happened to Naomi. First of all, she's moved from Judah to Moab. She's moved to a place, whether it was by her will or by the husband's will, they moved to Moab, and that was absolutely a place where God's people were not supposed to be. They were supposed to not be in these lands. They were supposed to dwell in the promised land that was given to them. But here we are in the times of the judges when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And so we see that Naomi goes to this far place, Moab, and her husband dies. And not only does her husband die, but her children die. Her security is gone. The husband is no no longer there. The sons are no longer there. And her closeness to God has become somewhat distant because of where she's located. And she finds herself with two daughters-in-law that are from Moab herself. What did this burden do to Naomi? It drove her back to where she belonged, did it not? And in the end, we see the blessing in that. And I do want to just talk about that for a minute. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that before. Sometimes our burdens do that, don't they? Sometimes those tough situations in our lives put us to the place where we need to go back to where we should be. Maybe we're not living the right way. Maybe we come to ourselves like the prodigal son, right? And go back to where we should be. But sometimes it takes a little bit of time. But she was drove back to where she belonged. And once she returns back home, she could begin rebuilding her life. But what else did this burden do to Naomi? It caused something. It caused her to become bitter. You ever heard of that word? Have you ever been bitter? You know, the definition of bitterness is angry and disappointment at being treated unfairly. Resentment or the lack of sweetness. I like my coffee black, and then some people say that it's bitter. I don't get it, but, I mean, I like it that way. I mean, I tried it sweet, but I just like it straight up, right? It tastes really good, but some people would say that it's bitter. Naomi, because of this huge burden that happened to her, becomes bitter. 
And what does this bitterness cause in her life? It causes something that happens to us all when we become uh, fixated on something, right? You know, if we like basketball, if we like sports, if we like whatever the thing is that we really like uh, in a positive way, what does it do? It consumes us, but also in the negative. What about if you're angry at a situation? What about if you're struggling with a situation and you just can't let it go? What happens if we're not careful is it consumes us. Naomi's bitterness consumes her. And I want to look at verses 11 through 22, and I want you to see this lesson just really come to life. It says, but Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should say, if, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will, there will I be buried. The Lord do, do so to me and more also, if anything, but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they had came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home empty, again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, with her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest." I know that was a lot of reading, but I wanted to get the story in so now we can elaborate on some thoughts. Think about this. Bitterness that goes untreated can poison even the strongest Christian. Amen? Bitterness that goes untreated can poison even the strongest Christian. You know, I was thinking and reading and looking at some things, and I watched it actually and this is a good illustration, a rattlesnake, if it's cornered, it'll become so angry that it will bite itself. <laughs> it will become so mad if it can't get to you that it will actually bite 
itself because it loses control because of the anger. That's exactly what holding hate and resentment against others is. We bite ourselves. Think about it. We think that we're harming others by holding uh, this grudge or this hateful relationship with this person. You know, we're going to be, uh, I'm not going to talk to that person or I'm not going to say nothing to this person. I'm just going to ignore them and they'll know that I'm ignoring them because I'm mad at them, right? I got a situation with them and I ain't trying to deal with them right now and they're going to know it. But what do we end up doing? We end up hurting ourselves. We end up harming ourselves worse and digging a deep hole spiritually in our lives that is hard to overcome. The more I ignore the situation, the more I build the situation up, the harder it is for me, and Satan loves to step in in these times, it's hard for me to step up and be the bigger person and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. I shouldn't have done it that way. Because what do we expect? The other person needs to say it first. The other person needs to come to me, and then we'll work it out, right? You know, we, we wear this smile, maybe at worship. We pretend to be happy, but really on the inside, we're being eaten away with bitterness, with anger, with problems, Eventually, bitterness takes over one's life, and what it does it is, is it affects every relationship that you have. Just like an addiction, just like any situation that we deal with, any situation that's contrary to God's word, when we become bitter towards whatever the situation is, we start eating away at our lives. This is what's happened to Naomi. Did she have a burden to carry? Absolutely. Her husband died. Her kids died. How hard would that be? And what does she end up doing? She ends up blaming God, doesn't she? Isn't that what we do a lot of times though? When we're upset, maybe we've actually done it, but we've become so entrapped in our sin that it's very easy to blame the big guy, right? Lord, why'd you let me do that? Why you let me in? How come I'm in this situation, Lord? I can't even believe it. I mean, are you trying to do this on purpose? You just piling it on over and over and over on me? What's up? I don't understand it. Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go. Look at verse 18. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, what does Naomi do? She stops talking to her. I ain't about to talk to her at all. That's fine. She don't want to listen to me. Look at verse 20. But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Naomi, we probably know this from Bible class for years of it. Naomi means the pleasant one. But Mara means the bitter one. 
She absolutely wants her name changed. She absolutely doesn't want to be called the pleasant one anymore. She wants to be called the bitter one because she deserves it. Because the Almighty has done this thing to her. What a dangerous place to be in, brethren. What a dangerous place to put ourselves in. I don't know about you. I don't know the situations that you have going on in your lives. But if you are a bitter person, if you have bitterness in your life, please get it gone. Because it is a dangerous place to live. The dangers of bitterness is this. It can cause you to blame others for your trouble. Look at verse 13. She says, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. God's got it in for me. (laughs) Don't get around me. You know, I'm bad luck, right? God's got it in for me. All of these things are happening to me. I need you to get far, far away from me. Look at verse 20 again. But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. He's dealt very bitterly with me. And look at verse 21. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Now the word Almighty right there is a very interesting word in the way that uh, it is used. It's called El Shaddai. El Shaddai in the Hebrew means the all-powerful, the all-sufficient one. Adam Clark in his commentary says, she was suggesting that he who is all-sufficient has taken away the props and the supports of my life. Think about that. Is that where you're at tonight? Is there bitterness in your heart towards God? Is there bitterness in your heart towards somebody? I just can't believe, Lord, you'd let me get in this situation. Lord, I can't believe that I try to serve you and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but here I find myself in this spot. Appreciate it. Thanks for letting me serve you. Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Don't call me the pleasant one. I'm bitter about it. I got a little bit of anger about it, matter of fact. The danger of bitterness is it causes us to lose focus on what we should be thinking about. And what do we do? We start spreading the blame everywhere else. It also causes us to focus only on ourselves. See, look at verse 8. And Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. That's terrible advice. 
What is Naomi? She's a child of God. Why is Naomi wanting them to go back to Moab? Because she's distracted. Because of this burden that's been built in her life, she can't see clearly. Isn't that what happens to us? When we have a situation, what happens? That wide open view starts becoming real tunnel, doesn't it? And I can't think about nothing else except what I got going on. And anything that you tell me is going to, I'm going to shoot it down. We talked about it in Bible class today. Every time you try to help me out, I'm going to shoot it down. Every time you try to fix something in my life, I'm going to throw out another negative. I'm going to keep throwing them out. Because I'm owed something. Come on, God. Why are you doing me like this? My husband's dead. My kids are dead. I mean, look at verse 12 and 15 again. Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old and have a husband to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. In verse 15, it says, and she she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Seriously? Back to her gods? And it's okay? Brethren, how excited are we to be a Christian? Does it, influence in, does it influence our lives in the tough situations? Do we have joy in the tough situations? I want to just read something that I read just a second ago. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Keep your fingers there, but go to 1 Peter. I want to read something that I just talked about. First Peter chapter three, <coughs> look at verse 17, excuse me. Now think about where we are in the story. Think about Naomi. Now watch this. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Now think about that. I don't know if I had a show of hands, if anybody would raise their hand and say, I will take suffering over not suffering. Would you? I don't want to suffer. I don't want to have a situation. But it says it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. But what happens in the story? Naomi says, I can't think about y'all right now. I can't think about what's going on with y'all right now. It's better for you to just get out of my way. Go back to, you, to your family. Go back to their gods. What? And not come to Yahweh? And not come to Jehovah? 
Are we living in such a way that when the situations start becoming really big in our lives, that Christianity just gets tossed out the window? Hey, that's real talk. That's real talk. Because that happens in our real lives, don't it? We have problems, we have situations, and I'm not trying to undermine any of those things. The burden that Naomi carried was huge. People that she loved, and I love what Clark says. He says that she had blamed God for taking the props and the supports of her life out from under her. Appreciate it, God. What am I going to do now? And look at verse 21, back in Ruth. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. See, it causes you to focus on yourself. See, what does she miss? It takes her a while, but she comes around. That's the beauty of this book. But she doesn't appreciate the value of her relationship with Ruth, does she? She said, I went out full and I've come back empty. But who's with her? (laughs) Ruth. Brethren, bitterness is a dangerous game to play. And if you have a problem, if you feel like somebody's done you wrong, fix the situation. Make it right. Don't hang on to it. Don't let it build up in your lives. We got too much work to do. We got too many lives to talk to. We got too many people that we need to come in contact with and talk about the cross. And talk about Jesus. But when we let these things suck us up, what does Satan do? He laughs all the way (laughs) silly Christians you think you can do it you need to go tell that person what you think you need to go tell that person what they've done to you you owe it to them it causes you to blame others for your trouble and it causes you to focus only on on yourself what did Naomi miss what did could she not see she couldn't see the blessing she couldn't see it she said I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty now I want you to turn over to Ruth chapter 4 I'm jumping a little bit ahead but I want you to just Think about this. Here's what Naomi doesn't realize is about to happen. Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. It says, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. When the woman said, then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. 
Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed and his father, and he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. How incredible is that? No matter where you are in your life, No matter what you're doing in your life, don't forget, God ain't took a break. He's working. He is a providential God that is moving and setting things up. Get your mind out of the gutter and get it back focused on Jesus and watch what he does to you. I'm not trying to say that your problems aren't big. I'm not trying to say that your burdens aren't heavy. But what I'm telling you is the only way that you can walk through it, the only way that you can be blessed is if Jesus is the focus of your life. You remember in Genesis chapter 50, at the end of, y'all like it when I say that, don't you? (laughs) I don't, if I didn't look it up, I probably wouldn't remember the scripture exactly, but I do like to say that because we got Bible scholars in here that do know that, but I enjoy saying that. So I hope, don't take offense when I say it if you don't know it. I'm not trying to be like a know it all up here because I'm not, believe me. But you remember in Genesis chapter 50 when uh, Joseph comes to the end of the story and the brothers are there and they're a little bit scared of him, right? What does he say to him? He says, but as for you, you remember way back when, when you guys put me in the pit and then you felt sorry for me a little bit and then just sent me on the road into slavery? You guys meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. Boy, doesn't that go right with that Peter verse? Doesn't you see the word of God pulling together, brethren? We're talking about an Old Testament verse, and we're talking about a New Testament verse, and they pull in together. But God meant it for good. Why did he mean it for good? Because later on, something happens to Joseph, doesn't it? It says, in order to bring it about as it is to this day to save many people alive. Brethren, Right now, where you're at, you may not be able to see it. That's why we got faith. That's why we put our trust in the Lord. That's why we don't let Satan suck us up in the mess. We stay focused on what we're supposed to stay focused on and watch how God works. Man, that was incredible how you came out of that problem. How did you do it? What were the things that you were saying? How were you thinking when those problems were coming up? That is something that I admire about you. Romans 8, 28, it just keeps coming up. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. How should we handle our burdens? When we begin to have burdens, we must turn them over to the Lord. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord. And he shall sustain you. Hey, if we believe God's word, let's believe it. And let's obey it. And let's remember what it says. He says that he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. If I'm anxious, I'm going to pray. 
If I'm struggling, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray. Remember how Daniel did it? That boy was a prayer, wasn't he? And then you wait. What are we supposed to do as Christians? Hey, brethren, we've got to bear one another's burdens. And when we bear one another's burdens, we so fulfill the law of Christ. How do we keep bitterness from consuming us? Bitterness is unforgiveness fermented. So to keep ourselves from becoming bitter, we must be able to forgive, amen? It's what takes the power away from resentment, grudges, and anger towards someone or towards God. Just don't give it the power no more. Just get over it. Be the better one and move on. It's hardly possible, and I'm just about done, to build anything in your life. Now listen to this. It is hardly, it's hardly possible to build anything in your life if frustration, if bitterness, and a mood of helplessness prevails. It ain't happening. If all you have is frustration, if all you have is bitterness, if all you have is this constant thought of, I'm helpless, I can't do anything, you will never prevail. Philippians 4.13 says this, brethren, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's big time. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 tells us to be kind to one another, to be tenderhearted, to forgive one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And Matthew 6 15 says, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of the thing that's holding you. Naomi was struggling with God, just putting these things on her. How could you do this to me, God? And Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. How can we keep our eyes open to see the blessings from the Lord. How can we keep our eyes from being blinded? I want to read something to you. I don't want you to look at it. I want you to just listen to it for just a minute. Just listen to this. Listen to the word of God. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Meditate on these thoughts, brethren. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine 
or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written. For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things, brethren, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. Look at Paul, man. This boy was beat. (laughs) This boy was stoned. This boy was left dead on the road. Did, Did that ever happen to you? That ain't never happened to me. He said, but I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us, here it is, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brethren, no matter where you're at in your life, don't forget Jesus Loves you forever. Don't let the burdens of your life, don't let the situations in your life change the way you feel about the Lord. Serve Him with all your heart through the situation, through the tough times, and you will see the blessings of the Lord. Sorry about that, Timothy. Maybe you're here. (laughs) Man, that was an intense moment, and I flip all the songs everywhere. See how Satan works, man? He's a jokes. Hey, brethren, here's the deal. I say it every time, and I'm so serious. Go look for somebody to talk to. Go look for somebody to help. Go look to somebody that you can be a friend to, that you can bring them closer to maybe a Bible study or maybe some conversation about some godly things. Don't grow weary in doing good. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't let bitterness eat you up because you serve a God who loves you and will never leave you and will never forsake you. Boy, that's motivation for me, brethren. How about you? Go change the world this week. That's why we meet so we can, I'm trying to stir up some love. I'm trying to stir up some good works for y'all, brethren. Go do the deal. Go do what God set you to do. You're his workmanship, and you're created in Christ Jesus for those works. Be zealous about them. Be excited about them. Maybe you're here today, and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today, and you need to obey the gospel. You can come right now. Let's do it. Don't wait. Become a child of God. Have your sins forgiven. Be washed clean. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you need prayers, if you need encouragement, whatever you need, come right now together we stand and sing.